Hi, this is Deadeye Dave welcoming you to the Real Blood Podcast Network. Each Saturday, you will hear a new episode of either Reasonably Real, which is our general movie podcast, or The Cast That Drips Blood, which is our horror-focused show. On Monday, we have Reasonably Newsworthy, which is our new show where we talk about the releases that you might be interested in on DVD Tuesday. We have a rotating cast of hosts, and we definitely aren't afraid to chat. So kick back, relax, and enjoy the show. Don't forget to follow us on our Facebook page in the show description and our letterbox profiles as well. If you are interested in supporting the show, telling your friends about us is the best way to make the show expand. If you are interested in supporting us monetarily, our podcasting host Anchor allows you to do that through their website, and every dollar is appreciated, but never expected. Thank you so much for your continued support, and enjoy the show. Welcome to Reasonably Real, which today might as well be the cast that drips blood. But hey, we're talking about Fear Street. So, I guess we're, our excuse is it's like, isn't it almost halfway to Halloween or something like that? It's getting close. Oh, we're like only a third of the way to Halloween. Oh. Uh, ha- halfway to Halloween is April 30th. So we're like three quarters to Halloween. Yeah, keep in mind, I barely passed college algebra, so. <laughs> <laughs> barely. I had to take summer school to get that one done. <laughs> How are y'all doing today? Doing good. And then there's weirdos like me who the day after Labor Day, that Tuesday, that's Halloween season right then and there for about well, 60 I, days. I don't ever stop. We have Agreed. a placemat outside <laughs> our door that says, welcome to our haunted house. And we literally have Halloween decorations still hanging up we never took a single one down so so either way we got maniac mike catastrophe caleb and jigsaw jody joining us today and i'm very happy about that and uh, we're going to be talking about what we've been watching here shortly um and then followed by the fear street reviews so without getting too far into it maniac mike what have you been watching well I've got a pretty good list, so I'm probably going to condense it down just a tad bit. But I will start off my list with uh, Deadly Invasion, The Killer Bees. I don't remember if I've talked about this movie on here. It's a made-for-TV 90s movie talking uh, about the Killer Bee Invasion. Uh, I don't remember if they're Asian bees or whatever. Uh, no need to watch this movie. Just listen to what I have to say here because it sucks. Um, next uh, was Fear Street 1994, <laughs> which we'll get into. Fear Street 1978, which we'll get into. Uh, and then I got on a little bit of a Bill Paxton kick because uh, a guy at work was talking how he was an underrated actor, and I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, so I hopped on Shutter and I watched 1987, directed by Kathleen... Uh, yeah, uh, Catherine Bigelow, uh, Near Dark. Oh, yeah, um, there we go. It's a masterpiece. It, it truly is. Um, the acting in it is great. The story in it's great. And I like the fact that they never say vampire in the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're just kind of a... It's really a Texas Chainsaw family type family dynamic. And uh, it, it's a masterpiece. That one's a 10 out of 10. Uh, which then led me to watch uh, his 2001 uh, feature-length directorial debut of uh, Frailty. And this is another classic. I think we had talked about this on an old, old original episode that uh, this will become, uh, this is cult classic territory, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's only 20 years old, so you can't really lump it in there with cult classics just yet. But I think Frailty... Uh, has that ability because the acting in it uh, the old school filming style and old Hollywood style storytelling and filming of the movie really makes it feel different Um, and the acting by Paxton McConaughey uh, Powers Booth uh, and the the children in it is great Um, and if you haven't seen Frailty uh, even Steady Steve loves this movie uh, the first time I seen it, me and him actually uh, rented this from Netflix uh, whenever they sent DVDs out. That tells you how long ago that was. Um, but he ordered this movie from Netflix, and me and him sat down and watched it. We both loved it then. That was probably 2003-ish. And um, it's still phenomenal. I give it a 9 out of 10. Uh, it, it is a must-see movie. Um, 
obviously Fear Street 19 or uh, Fear Street 1666. We'll get into that, uh, and then the next movie I'll talk about is I watched it on Shutter. It's called Pledge Night, and it's essentially <laughs> yeah. a bunch go. of frat dudes that gets what's coming to them. Yeah, um, that's there's pretty cool. Th there's a few decent characters in it that are actual decent people, but most of them are kind of just POSs, and. Um, it's really goofy and off the wall and pretty cheesy, but I did like a lot of the practical effects in it. Um, they show their age now, but for a 1990 kind of comedy uh, horror movie, this was pretty good. I, yeah. I liked it. <laughs> yeah, I like this movie uh, a lot. <laughs> so I, I gave it a 6 out of 10. It does, I mean, it's, it's no masterpiece. But for what it is and what it tries to accomplish, I think it does accomplish its goals. And like I said, I really appreciated the, the, the practical effects. There's some really cool scenes in this movie. Um, so give it a watch. It's on Shudder. Uh, if you're a horror fan, I think you'll like it. Uh, next one I'll talk about is Willy's Wonderland. I watched this the other night. Um, uh, Caleb reminded me of it here a few weeks ago whenever he was doing his, uh, his, horror, or, uh, his movie list. And... So I was like, fine, I'll sit down and watch it. Because I didn't have very high expectations. And this movie is awesome. Um, I went into it with low expectations. I came out singing Freebird and, uh, you know, heads and toes. And I, I was singing the soundtrack. Uh, grab, uh, right now I'm drinking some, uh, some Punch Pop and podcasting. Um, Nick Cage never says a word in this movie, which actually really lends to the film. Um, it, it's awesome. The Willy's Wonderland. Check it out. Um, I watched a movie called Dark Skies. I thought I had seen this, but it, for whatever reason, it's been popping up a lot on my letterbox. I guess people are watching it. Um, I thought I had seen this, uh, and it's kind of a... a it it's almost feels like a haunted house movie, but it's not. Uh, I'm not, not really going to go into a lot of details here because I don't want to spoil it just in case. A lot of people haven't seen it, but it's pretty decent. It's about a family that's going through some weird occurrences in their home with, you know, thousands of birds hitting their home at once and um, some uh, some scratches and weird cuts and branding on some of the children's bodies. It's an all right movie. It's, it's nothing special, but it's also not bad either. Uh, so I give that a 7 out of 10. Give it a watch. Um, and then also... I don't know what reminded me of this, but I watched a, a an old NBC TV show that came out, I think 2011, 2012, called Revolution. And it actually uh, never wrapped up. It was canceled after two seasons, primarily because the acting in it's pretty poor and it's kind of cheesy. But the premise of the show is really, really good. And it's pretty much science run amok and something has happened that sucked all the electricity out of the world. Hmm. Nothing that will create a spark works, not even spark plugs. So even engines won't run at that point. Uh, so cell phones, lights, I mean, all those basic things that we take for granted in life are gone. And so the U.S. is kind of uh, reverted back to territories. You know, there's a Great Plains nation and the Georgia Federation. And, of course, Texas is its own country. Um, and then they make a reference to, like, uh, the Affleck Republic of California. And it never says who actually is the governor of California. You just know it was named after an Affleck, but it doesn't say if it's Ben Affleck or whoever. Uh, and, it's a, and it's a woman, so it's it's his wife or something is the actual president of California and the, the premise is solid but it the acting is poor so I can see why it got cancelled after two seasons mm -hmm. but I, I think it did deserve a, a series finale rather than just be cut right in the middle of the story so I watched that on Amazon and um, that, that's what I've been watching the last couple weeks cool sounds like a lot of good stuff uh, hopefully, uh, the next time we hear you on here, you've watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, uh, which I think uh, Caleb will be talking about shortly. What have you been watching? Uh, I've only watched a couple things because of uh, just recent changes to work schedules, but 
I ended up watching Sunshine with Cillian Murphy, uh, 2007 film. It was really good. I think a little too early for the year it came out to really be appreciated the way it should be, but it's it's really good. I'd say pure sci-fi film with a little bit of horror included into it at the end. And it has like this deep sense of dread. Because everyone wonders what it's like to touch the sun. And this film pretty much directly tells you that. And it's it's definitely very weird. It's a weird film, but I definitely appreciated it as a fan of sci-fi films. And then as you just said, watch Texas, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Uh, because I love the first one. I absolutely love the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And I went into this really only seeing the breakfast-style cover that's on Letterboxd. So I thought, okay, well, this is going to be different. But I didn't realize how different. Uh, way more funny relies more on just kind of like a humor aspect, but still having that craziness to it that the first film had. Uh, You end up getting uh, all your returning characters. You get Grandpa, you get the cook, you get Leatherface, which I literally love this version of Leatherface. But then you get Chop Top, played by Bill Mosley, which is just awesome. I love Bill Mosley, and I just think that's really funny. Uh, but this is just... This is out there. The, the gore was awesome. Uh, it was such a crazy... Especially the whole chemistry that Leatherface and Stretch have in the film. It was definitely interesting. But, yeah, those are the uh, currently the only two films that I've, I've actually got to watch this week. Alright, well, definitely quality films for sure. Uh, Jody, what have you been watching? Well, I kicked off my annual wrap-up challenge where a group of juries, uh, jury members compete to pick movies for me. Uh, that makes it sound more cooler and dramatic than it really is. It's just you guys <laughs> pick movies from a list that, for me to watch. Uh, I got four of those in already. I started this year instead of doing it alphabetically at the end of the year and taking like five months to do it, I'm doing it by release month. So starting back in January. Um, so I got four of those in. The first one was Mike's pick queen of black magic on shutter. Mm-hmm. And I really, really enjoyed that. I couldn't really tell you much of like, I think I understood maybe 70% of it. Um, but I didn't really ding it for that. I think it's just kind of meant to be crazy. And in the end credits, they show like stills from the original Queen of Black Magic from like mm-hmm. the 70s or 80s. And I was like, man, I got to watch that. And that is also on Shutter, So I'm going to give that a go pretty soon. Because um, it just looks absolutely crazy. Uh, I don't know if any of you have seen it, but it looks yeah, really... Yeah, I've seen, I've seen both of them. And I, I, I actually like both of them. I think they're, they're one of those types of sequels where they're both better than each other in certain ways. Right. Um, so they're both totally worth watching. I liked them both quite a bit. And then my really only complaint about the new one is that and it was too it was too a distracting fault. I thought the CGI was really bad. Oh. When they didn't try to do CGI, it was looked really really good, but anytime they did like creepy crawlies, they looked sci-fi channel level bad. So mm-hmm. that was really my only complaint about that. Um, then I watched a Dave pick, Malcolm and Marie, um, <laughs> which I can f- first of all like say like the craft in this film is really good. Like the performances are good, uh, the lighting. There's like this stark contrast in lighting, and that kind of like puts you at this little bit of unease because you're got to buckle down for you know almost two hours of uneasiness because you're just gonna watch two people argue pretty intensely not violently but intensely and cruelly to each other um and it does a great job in that i i switch sides like like whose side am i on would i be if i were like in the middle of this which i honestly would never ever ever want to be in the room or in the even the same building with this level of a quarrel going on but i i switch sides like so many times so like the, the the writing and everything but then like at the end of the day, I just was ick. Yeah, oh, uh, definitely. 
Yeah, so, and then I've been thinking about my score, and I was like, well, I, you know, I scored it. I think uh, there's going to be one coming up where I'll say that I, 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 I scored it higher than I liked it, but this one I scored it lower, I think. Um, I don't know, because of the effect. A lot but of then I was I, hated it. Yeah. Um, and I think it's a good film, just an immensely unentertaining film. And I've said it right. before where I think audiences very much confuse entertainment and a good movie but the problem is at a certain point there's debatable entertainment and why does this exist and that I, I honestly do feel like this movie does cross into that so that really kind of factors into why I gave it a six it's yeah, a I gave brilliantly it a six made movie but I you gotta question at a certain point why someone would want to watch a movie like this um, you know it's a good film if that makes any sense it does and I watched a pick from Noah, who is a letterbox friend, who's going to be a judge this year. There's six total. Um, he picked Supernova, which is on Hulu. It's about um, two men that have had a you know relationship for 30 years, and one of them has early onset dementia. And you know I've been living through that for four years, so like I really understand. They, they really they really like uh, the the father too um, although Anthony Hopkins seems you know older than Stanley Tucci but um, it okay there was a movie a few years ago that had this topic with Julian Moore called I think still Alice mm, and yeah. same kind of uh, same kind of vibe there like with the like it seems like way too early so it's pretty you know I've seen the the firsthand effects of dementia firsthand and it, it you know it was a you know really well-made film and then I picked one from Evan who's also a letterbox friend he picked for me uh, Billy Eilish the movie and <laughs> um, I'm 44 so I didn't know all that many Billy Eilish songs. I thought I only knew one, but it turns out I had heard a second one. But I had only heard that second one because it's in the Sing Two trailer. Oh God! Which I have seen like 18 times because they play it before just about every movie at the theater now. I hate that trailer. It looks so stupid. Yeah. So what? There's a Billy Eilish song in that trailer. So I have turned out that I have actually heard two Billy Eilish songs. Um, but I did hear the it's they play it in the movie or that she sings it in the movie the new Bond theme so I was actually excited to hear her her Bond song because I usually am a pretty big fan of the Bond theme songs so we'll be hearing that potentially for an Oscar nomination later this year she won like she had like ar like an arms full of Grammys and I was like okay I guess yeah, I'm I mean, old <laughs> I guess no, I'm I mean, old she she did I don't I don't get it either uh, I really never have. But uh, and then I also did a double feature of the Escape Room movies, and I really like them. But you have just got to not think about it. Um, the the, the second the second one is arguably a bit like more. Okay, not even arguably. I would definitely say it was pretty much across the board. It's more entertaining than the first one. They up the traps. They up the ante. They up everything. But I could at least get from point A to point B to point C to point D with the first escape room. And then the second one, while we all in the theater, because it was one of my cinema club screenings, we all were pretty hyped immediately following the movie, how you kind of like walk out and like throw your popcorn stuff away, use the restroom, whatever. Then we got in the car. And then I said, hey, you know, there was just one thing that bothered me, though. And then I said my thing. And then and then everybody's like, oh, yeah, that kind of kind of ruins the whole thing, doesn't it? I'm like, yeah, almost. And then someone else said, well, what about this? And I'm like, oh, yeah. So, like, we kept, like, on the way home, like, picking it apart. I, not that we even wanted to do that. I just like to enjoy a movie and not pick it apart too much. Yeah. But when you have a movie that's, like, trying to be smart and trying to, like, you know come up with traps and you know expanding into this world of like you know escape room entertainment for the rich you know kind of a it's kind of a world building thing that they got going on and i'm like wait that don't make a lick of sense now and so it kind of unfortunately fell apart at the end but if you go and watch it and have a good time and don't think about it you'll enjoy while you're in point a and then you'll enjoy while you're in point b just try not to think about the connectivity between point a and point b too much and then you'll be fine uh my nephew came to visit he wanted to watch attack of the demons on shutter so we did 
Uh, it's a cute little movie. Um, it's South Park style animation from just like an indie animator. Uh, you know, he animated and directed his own movie. It's fun. Um, something cool to have in the background while you're working or something like that. Um, the big problem, I'll be an echo chamber for everybody else. It's like he probably had his friends, like he said, here, read, read these lines on this paper. Mm-hmm. Because it's, it, it, it's, you can tell like someone's cadence when they're reading something. So, I mean, I, I know all animated actors are reading their lines or whatever. They're not memorized. But, like, this is, like, you know, un, untrained actors, like, you know, like, hey, Dad, come here. Read these, read this on this paper. That's what it sounds like. And a lot of people <laughs> say that on Letterboxd. So that was a big problem. That's uh, Wrapping up pretty quickly. Uh, watched the first three American Pie movies. My friend came over. And he had only seen American Pie Presents Girls Night Out or whatever that thing was called last oh, year. So he was like, no, I'm not interested. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. You cannot judge it. So we, I was like, just let's just try part one. And then by like halfway through, he's like, do you have all of these? I'm like, yeah. He's like, he's like, do all the same people come back for all of them? I'm like, yeah, pretty much. I'm like, everybody comes back for one, two, and four, and some people drop off for three. But yeah, we watched the first three, and then he had to go. But uh, we're going to watch part four next week. Um, then I watched for the first time ever Little Shop of Horrors, the Joe Bob presentation of it. Um, this is the one that I was talking about. Like I give, I gave this a seven. I gave it uh, three and a half stars on Letterbox. But and, and the reasons for that is I appreciate its cultural significance. I love Roger Corman. I love the idea of a film being made on a dare in two days, and knowing that they had to like you know get that plant built and all that kind of stuff so i appreciate all of those things but i would say i didn't really enjoy watching it but and i don't enjoy the other one because they sing the whole time just about so <laughs> yeah so like this little shop of horrors is not, is not for my my sensibilities but i appreciate both the original and the musical's cultural significance so that's it for me all right sounds good i uh got a few less than I normally would uh, movies in, but I did get some quality stuff in. I watched Spiral again from the Book of Saw. Uh, really good film. My thoughts on this really haven't changed very much. Um, I do appreciate everything that it did new. Um, I do recommend people check that out. I watched a movie called A Classic Horror Story. It's, it's on Netflix. It's a pretty solid film. Uh, I did like a lot of what it was going for. Had some great visuals and uh, all the stuff that you could typically like in a horror film. Then I watched a movie called Mass Hysteria on Shudder. It was fine. I don't really have a whole lot to say about it. It was one of those ensemble casts that almost felt like one of those zombie comedy type deals. Um, it was what it was. And then I watched She's Allergic to Cats. Uh, I think, Jody, you were the only one on my friends group that had seen this. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's something. <laughs> I didn't mind it, of course, which you probably figured I wouldn't. Um, just, I like weird experimental art films, but the majority of people won't. So, <laughs> just take that as it is. And then I watched the Nick Cage-helmed picture called Pig. And this is a 10 out of 10 must-watch movie. And not even in an ironic way. I really do actually see this movie getting an Oscar push. Um, it's really good. It's about a guy who has his truffle pig stolen from him and basically acts as if it's John Wick, but with an actual human story and core to it. So don't expect any action. It dissects the genre and intentionally plays with the audience's mind of what this movie could and is going to be. And it's a blast. It's a really great movie um, with a phenomenal performance from Nick Cage. He's mostly serious in this role, so I wouldn't expect the quirky or weird. So far from, uh, you know, Willy's Wonderland or anything like that, you know, we're got pig. So has anyone seen this yet? <laughs> no, Not yet. Definitely it's, it's so freaking good. Um, it's, you have to watch it. <laughs> and then I went to the theater and watched Old. Um, which I was really looking forward to. I'm an M. Night Shyamalan apologist, even as far as to say that I would admit that I think that Lady in the Water is a good film, and Avatar The Last Airbender is not as bad as everyone says. That one I agree with. And even with all that, 
I was disappointed with old. Uh, very disappointed. Um, I don't think it's a terrible film. I just think it's a mediocre film. Um, it has some good things going for it, and it's not mediocre in the way that it's just painfully average. It's worth watching because it swings for the fences. It's just I feel like at some point it looked like it was going to be a home run, and then the wind just all of a sudden took it completely down, and it just was a base hit all of a sudden. I mean, it did its job, but not much more than that in the end. Um, and, and part of it's due to a pretty lackluster ending, especially for what you're probably expecting from M. Night. I think there's some cool visuals. Um, this is some of the best cinematography he's done. There's actually some really cool, um, you know, strange visuals that feel unique to this movie. Uh, the performances are kind of quirky, and a lot of them are pretty good. Um, but the movie never really settles down on whether it wants you to take this serious and actually be afraid of it or be quirky because it at times gets to the happening level of strange almost funny in an unintentional way and I know that sounds really bad it's not that bad but I really was laughing at this movie a couple of times and I think it was intentional but the movie never makes it clear and to me you should never have those questions pop up if that makes any sense so uh, to me, it's a 5 out of 10. I do recommend checking it out. I think it pulls too many punches as well. This movie really could have used the R rating. Um, they actually shy away from a lot of the uh, violence in the film, and it really lessens the impact in this case, which is strange given that I think the movie um, Split um, actually was, I believe it was PG-13 as well, and it really worked well within the PG-13 ranks of not shying away from disturbing content. So it was just kind of strange in this case. Um, so, yeah, what do y'all think of that? <laughs> Were y'all excited about old? Yeah, I, I uh, my cinema club's going on Tuesday, so I'm okay. hoping it won't be too bad. But No, I don't think it'll be terrible. There's plenty to talk yeah. about. So for a cinema yeah. club, yeah, you're going to want to talk about it. Yeah. I'm curious if y'all hated the logic in this movie as much as I did, and I really don't want to get into that. Sure. I'll get way out in the weeds, and you know me, I'm, I'm able to suspend my disbelief if the movie doesn't take itself too seriously. This one does. Um, it takes itself very seriously, and in a high-concept thriller where the entire premise is about something that is kind of off, it's not a good idea. <laughs> so that's kind of what I ran into with this one. But either way, that's my review of Old, and that is what I've been watching. So, um, yeah, let's go ahead and jump right into uh, Fear Street. And, yeah, this is a series adapted from the R.L. Stein novels. And, yeah, it's, it's not like Goosebumps at all. I had no idea what these were. What are y'all's experience with these books? I have no I experience. Jody, I have the whole collection. <laughs> I have the whole collection except for two that I'm missing, and I've have a, I don't know, 1989. I've, it goes all the way back to then. Reading them, collecting them, so, uh, rebuying them after they got ruined in a basement flood. Um, yeah, that was like what I would look forward to because they were released monthly, and I would just wait for. The, you know the new Fear Street book. I stalked B. Dalton all the time. Um, it was the best. There was a small in Toledo. It doesn't exist anymore, but um, there was an entrance to the McDonald's directly mm -hmm. from the outside of the mall, and I could go in the back entrance to McDonald's through the restaurant, and then B. Dalton was right across the way. So my dad would kind of like park right up there, send me in. I'd go in and get my books. Uh, not just Fear Street, but I read like Hardy Boys, Case Files, Christopher Pike. Uh, point thrillers, anything I could get my hands on back in those days. And yeah, so uh, I've been waiting for these movies m half my life. Sweet. Maniac Mike, I know you were, uh, you had some maybe experience with these. Um, I only read a couple of them way back in the day. Most of my Oral Stein experiences with the Goosebumps series. Uh, or the, the Choose Your Own Scare series that he did later on, even kind of in the, the later half of the Goosebumps books. Uh, so the, the Fear Street books, I don't have a lot of experience with. Yeah, I've, I've, strange, I've read just about every Goosebumps book, so mm -hmm. I was the, the opposite of that. And I've never touched a single Fear Street book. I knew they existed, 
but by the time I was old enough to really uh, pay attention to him, it was a strange middle ground. I just went right into Stephen King. So, so I graduated right from like, you know, goosebumps right into that Stephen King type territory, and uh, for whatever reason, didn't look back. Um, I probably should have. I, I I would be interested to read these books at some point in time. Um, but yeah, no, it's uh, interesting that they were all kind of on a different playing field of these. And the first movie is Fear Street, Part 1, 1994. The entire series is uh, directed by one director. I believe her name is Lee, or Lay Janiak. So uh, hopefully I did not uh, butcher that name. Uh, but it's she Lee. Also, she also directed a movie called Honeymoon, which I actually did really like. Um, and then there was quite a bit of space where she wasn't directing anything. And then came back with one of the more ambitious trilogies and, and horror right now, if you think about it, because uh, this is a pretty big undertaking. What did y'all think of uh, Part 1, 1994? I really enjoyed it. Um, it did have that 90s feel, and there was a lot of 90s nostalgia and throwback in it, but it, it only took the opportunity a couple times to kind of nudge you in the side and say, wink, wink, this is the 90s. Um, it only did that a couple times, which I kind of appreciated because some of these can get overbearing. Um, but I thought the overall story was pretty good. The acting is pretty good. Um, and the series as a whole, I really enjoyed the way they told this story about it. You know, we're coming on... We come in on the tail end of the story, and then it takes us back and then back again. And I thought that was a really cool concept and a really cool way to to do a trilogy like this. Um, so I, I enjoyed uh, 1994 a lot. Yeah, fair enough. Caleb, what did you think of 1994? Uh, I really enjoyed it. I had no knowledge of the Fear Street books before going into this, so really all I could get off the initial vibe of the film was what everybody else was posting in their reviews. So I thought, okay, I'll go ahead and I'll watch it. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, yeah, I had that 1994 film. The beginning kind of gave me that, like that scream feeling where it's like, okay, so this will be our main character. And then they just completely completely ruin that for you um, but I really enjoyed it I really thought it was interesting and definitely a very interesting way of telling a story uh, with all three films but 94 was fun uh, I appreciate like my feelings about all three of the films kind of like the quality kind of went down for each one but I and it made me appreciate 94 just a bit more but I th all in all, I thought they were all fantastic. I thought they were all really well done. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, Jigsaw Jody, what were your thoughts on this first one, 1994? I know I know you really, really liked this one. Yeah, I'm very hype about it. I've watched it three times already. Uh, I worked at a mall in 1994, and they nailed the mall atmosphere. Like, back in mall's heydays, they're all ghost towns now at this point, which makes me really sad. But, yeah. Uh, Nope, they nailed that. They nailed the spirit of a Fear Street story. Um, the a lot of people ask me, well, oh, what book was you know what book is this one based on? And none of them are based on an actual book, but they take pieces out of a lot of uh, different ones. Not in a uh, bad way, like how they did with the Dark Tower movie, where they took a bunch of stuff from a bunch of different books and it didn't cohese. Uh, but that's what they did here with this. They just took kind of like nuggets of the world instead of actual stories. Um, there's masked killers in several of the books, so it's not really based on any one particular book. Um, so, uh, or people ask, oh, are Dina and Sam together in the books? I'm like, no, there's no Dina, there's no Sam. Like, the, But there's like similar character types from the books. Um, usually uh, not too many of the Fear Street some do but not too many go into like supernatural territory a lot of them are just kind of like like stalk and slash or, or uh, you know fatal attraction kind of stories those type of things um, t typical teen drama but there was you know there are several of them that are mass, mass slasher 
and uh, they kind of like got the spirit of that down really well. Um, and, and yeah, C- Caleb, you're absolutely right. They uh, they actually do a direct homage to Scream and Casey Becker in that opening scene um, to the point where if you watch side by side um, Drew Barrymore's death and then the opening scene in part one there there's this one segment of it that's identical they did it like they they like did a complete like homage to it so um, yeah just great stuff I'm 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 hyped about it uh the soundtrack is banging. Um, whatever we said back in the '90s that of soundtracks, I was trying to think about that the other day. Like, what did we say? You know, today kids say that good music is fire, is fire, or maybe they don't even say that now. Maybe it's moved on to something else. But, <laughs> but I don't remember what we used to say. But man, that music was just the best music. Yeah. No. I, well, I, I very. Jody, I love you, buddy, but I, I, I very strongly disagree <laughs> with that part. But, I uh, know, Not about I the know. film. I, the 90s music is my least favorite decade of music. That's what I grew up with, though, man. I can't help it. I grew up on 2000s, and I still hate 2000s music as well. <laughs> well, I think everybody hates 2000s music. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> yeah. So even even the 2000s kids hate our own, hate our own culture that we grew up with. <laughs> <laughs> But um, no, and the strange thing is, 1994. Y'all know my y'all. I've come around a bit to the 90s. I've watched some 90s horror, you know, since then that I really loved. You know, Tales from the Hood, Candyman. You know, some of these movies that I really like from the 90s, of course, Scream. Um, so I was trepidatious about this. Was the because I've I've been predicting a 90s renaissance because that's the next evolution because we had so many 80s movies for so long. And I'm glad this series took the restraint not to do an 80s episode, because <laughs> I don't know how much more 80s nostalgia I can take. <laughs> um, but here we are, man. 1994, would y'all believe it, is my favorite entry in this series. I like it. I think it stands the best alone. Like It's, it's a good standalone film that creates a cool story. And I think it's just a ton of fun. I actually like this entry um, I was really excited about the, the trilogy, and um, I'll just kind of reveal my, my thoughts as it went on uh, eventually. Uh, but yeah, this entry was rocking, man. I, I liked it a lot. Got uh, I'd probably give it, in reflection, probably an 8, actually. I don't know if I gave it a 7, but I think with the conclusion of the franchise where it went and kind of tying back to this first one, I, I think it's probably an 8 out of 10. It's a really strong movie. Um, which kind of brings us to the second Fear Street. So we'll go back through the list in the same order about what we thought of the Fear Street 1978 movie. All right. Um, I think I went first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's correct. Okay. Um, Fear Street 1978 is actually my favorite entry into uh, this series. And yes, I am fully aware that this is a Friday the 13th ripoff. But I, I really do think that's exactly what they were trying to do. Um, and they accomplished it. And this one actually has my favorite soundtrack. Uh, even though I didn't grow up in the, the 70s, obviously. But uh, the, the music choices that they used in this was pretty cool. Um, and I really liked the uh, how what they did with one of the campers and the murderers and stuff like that in this movie. Uh, and one thing I will say about this whole series is the murderers they use are, are pretty varied and they're pretty cool looking. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, the both, both of these two especially had some insane kills. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, especially this second one, like at the end, it goes like yeah. full bore uh, 70s and 80s kind of slasher gore. Uh, actually I mean, beyond, I would argue, because if there's less censorship than there was at the beginning of that 80s. Like, this yeah. is graphic. There, Yeah, there's one kill in particular where you just watch a woman just repeatedly just getting slapped with an axe. I mean, and, uh, yeah, it, it goes there. Um, and I like how this one ties in with the first one. Um, it tells kind of the backstory of a character we get in- introduced to in the first one. And when it's all said and done, this one really ties all the lore together. Um, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, the, the, the stalk and chase scenes were great. 
um, you know the the scene in the bottom of the uh, the outhouse was funny. Uh, we had people stuck in the bottom of this outhouse, and it looks nasty. Mm-hmm. Like you, you can almost smell it coming through the TV. And um, I really enjoyed it. Uh, 1978. I give this one an eight out of ten. I gave 1994 a seven out of ten. Uh, but th- this one's my favorite entry into the series, just because I liked the, uh, the the kind of homage and the the kind of quirky ripoff that that it set out to to do and I think it achieved it so uh, right. this one's my pick of the series all right that's a it's fascinating as a, I think everyone may have a different favorite one in the series um, Caleb what are your thoughts on 1978 I I agree with Mike that it just blatantly felt like a and not in a bad way but it felt like a ripoff of Friday the 13th especially down to the killer wearing kind of like a like a potato sack over his head um, and using an axe at some point just primarily but I also got hints of The Shining when he's just chopping at the door and just I, I loved it I, I thought it was really fun I didn't like it as much as uh, the first one um, I didn't feel like the characters were as flushed out in the second one as they were in the first one and that might just be me Overlook, like looking too hard into things, but I definitely thought it was fun. I didn't hate it at all. Uh, I really liked Ziggy as a character, uh, and just the idea of like if you get away from the witch too much, she sends everything after you. And that was a cool concept I really enjoyed. And yeah, the, like the soundtrack was fantastic. I thought it was really fun. I wish they wouldn't have used the same song twice. It's kind of the same thing for Ragnarok does. I don't know if I've talked about this before. Uh, but the using a song twice, I feel like you should, like, I don't know if you just didn't have the budget to pay for another song. Um, I get why they played it. It was, the, it was the only song they had on that tape at the time, but I feel like you could have done more with it. Because you've already played it. Who went back and rewound it? <laughs> that was my thing. I, I always love, because I'm the same way. I have weird things that, and Jody knows all about it, uh, the things that I don't like and pet peeves. <laughs> and it's it's hilarious to hear everyone's pet peeves. Like like Jody's with the, the, the purge that didn't make any sense to me. And then with Caleb, the one, the like two songs playing in the same movie, which I couldn't care any less. It's just kind of funny funny how all that works with everybody because we all have different things. I know Steve-O's one of his was anytime people would splash each other in a movie he'd get ticked off. <laughs> so It's just strange stuff. It's funny. <laughs> Sorry. And I don't know why that's a pet peeve of mine. I just feel like if you're having an amazing soundtrack and let, like, let's say that you take this soundtrack and you put another kind of CD mm-hmm. why is that song going to pop up twice? Sure. Like <laughs> I don't know. I'm weird about those kind of Plus, things. tape players back then had auto-rewind. When you'd reach the end of the tape, it would rewind itself to back oh, to the beginning. It? Yeah. Oh, I, I wasn't alive in the 70s, so I wasn't aware of that, but thank you. <laughs> no, it's okay. The, I think I don't think that the tape players that they were using in this movie were actually accurate to the 70s. That's <laughs> no, not at all. That, that bright red thing, I was like, no way. That's like 1987 at least. Yeah, I am, I am very... <laughs> very up on my 70s culture because that's literally my favorite decade um so 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 i saw i see that kind of stuff i ignore it in my score because most people wouldn't notice it but in this case maybe i guess it was noticeable enough because jody you picked that one out probably before i did but you're totally right yeah Oh, that's my thing, man. Not to digress us, but you know I'm always trying to spot got that, like got that detail, man. Uh, yep, the that, exact that, opposite. That of Airwolf arcade machine in Wonder Woman 1984. I was like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. All right, Jody. Speaking of which, what did you think of Fear Street 1978? I loved it almost as much as the first one. Really, the only complaint that I have about it is that. I wish they had, and I wish this for the third one especially, had, I I know it gets annoying to people, but I kind of wish they'd almost use like a filter or 
not to the level like you know how Quentin and Robert did with Grindhouse, where it had that like ridiculous filter on it yeah. to make it look like grainy seventies, but like I, I don't know, it looked, you know, it looked like, and I it don't even mean this. As, yeah, yeah, exactly. It looked like you know. I agree. Yeah, that's what I was trying to say. Thank you. Um, it's too too new or too polished or something like that. I wish they had given it kind of a uh, maybe a grittier look. But I love the character Ziggy, and I, even more, I love the character Alice. Alice might have been my favorite character of the whole show, the whole the whole trilogy of movies. But um, yeah, I I really resonated with her in, in a lot of ways. Not not every way, but uh, you know that whole. It, this gets me every time in any kind of movie, regardless of genre or topic, where, like, former best friends have gone different ways, and one kind of goes to the popular kids and kind of leaves the other one behind. And, you know, that's kind of, kind of a theme in the movie Boys at the Trees. So it's kind of a, a resonating theme with me. So I really, like, connected with Alice in the second film. Uh, also, I thought she was pretty hilarious, too. So, um then uh yeah and then the climax of that movie i was i was just kind of sitting there kind of agape because i'm like this is going on for a long time yeah um, yeah it did. <laughs> and i was like not, and i and then I, I was impressed because that was another thing i have heard of these movies f- for over two years three years that they were going to do this originally they were going to go to theaters um but i think I do, I do know for sure that the pandemic like caused some delays in production and things like that. Um, so I'm, I think this was actually perfect how they did it instead of theaters. Although like, it, like Army of the Dead, we released in theaters too. We went and saw that in theaters instead of actually watching it on Netflix just because I wanted a big screen experience for that. And I would have loved a big screen experience for this, but I think the way that they did it was actually perfect. So I have no complaints on that. Um, my last thoughts were... Um, and I think Dave, you're going to talk about this a little bit, so I won't steal your thunder. I, I agree. Usually, with the exception of Empire Strikes Back, the second film in a trilogy is usually the weakest. Um, but I think there are some ways that that's true in this in this uh, series. But um, well, I'll I'll get into that when we get into 1666. So that's that's it for me. I could just say, oh, oh and regarding the books, there is an actual book that takes place uh, with a killer at Camp Nightwing, and that one's called Lights Out. So if you are really digging the Camp Nightwing vibe of this movie, the book you would want to read is Lights Out. Cool. All right. Yeah. Heck yeah. Um, well, I was surprised. This was the one I was most excited for. Um, for whatever reason, this is my least favorite entry. I don't think it's the worst on a technical level. We'll get into that. I think we all agree that I think 1666 probably has the most actual technical flaws to it. But the story here just didn't grab me a whole lot, especially with its pretty lengthy runtime. I just felt like this had pacing issues, which the original Friday the 13th did too. But I was all I'm on the side, and I think y'all know know this about me by now. Like the first two. Uh, Friday the 13th movies I like and respect but after that they start taking off for me so like I was always more of a the burning or sleepaway camp type person so you know this one I was kind of like watching the majority of it going I would rather be watching the burning and I know that's not fair necessarily but it just was my reaction to it I think part of it is I think I think this entry they went a little too heavy and I know y'all are really happy about the soundtrack. I was a little bit like, okay, <laughs> we, we can we cannot punctuate every moment with a very popular '70s tune to remind us that it's the '70s because nothing else feel felt like the '70s to me. Like the outfits, none of it really screamed '70s and especially in like you guys were talking about the polish in the film. So it was just kind of my least favorite entry uh, for whatever reason. Still not a bad film. I gave it a six. Um, I do think it's a definitely a good film, totally worth watching, and has a lot of good stuff. And I actually weirdly found the movie, once it moves away from the camp stuff and starts moving into the like, you know, later parts of the movie where it gets a little bit more hardcore, was where I really found my interest with it. Um, and then once it started tying in with that first entry, I kind of saw where they were going. 
and uh, liked it quite a bit. So I still like it, but it is my least favorite of the group. Um, so that is my thoughts on this one. And we are going to switch up the order for 1666 because I know Caleb has to um, run uh, shortly. So I actually want to get your thoughts on 1666 first before you have to go. Okay. 1666. Kind of. I get what they were trying to do. They're trying to show the backstory of Sarah Fear. And I thought that was nicely done. But there was just like. I, li I also liked the whole bringing everyone back from the original two. from the previous two films to be in this. To kind of play their ancestors, showing that nobody truly ever lives. Uh, like, no one ever truly really dies. It, it just. like, no one ever leaves. They stay there. Uh, which I thought was really interesting, and I just, it, I kind of got that feeling halfway through the first part, because this is a two-parter. Um, I, I also called the twist from pretty much a mile away. You can't have a name like that person's, I don't know if we're, I don't know <laughs> if you guys are going to talk about it. I don't, you can't have a name like that person's and not be the bad guy. I don't, like, <laughs> it's just kind of being like, hey, it's in your face the entire time. And that was pretty much my entire go with the first part. I liked it. And then just get, it kind of like <laughs> slapping you back into current day and just the whole horror movie references. I loved every King reference that this entire franchise did the entire time, especially in uh, part two. Um, but I thought it was it was pretty fun. Like the I love the 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 mall part where they get through the entirety of the killers and they're like, but wait, there's more. Uh, it was like a Billy Mays commercial. Uh, but I just thought it was really well done. It was kind of a satisfying ending, and then at the end, it kind of gives you the hope that there could be more films like this coming out based on more R.L. Stein books. All right. Yeah. No. I I agree. I'm glad you glad you enjoyed the series for sure. And um, that'll be that to kick over to Maniac Mike and your thoughts on Fear Street Part Three, 1666. Uh, I thought overall it was pretty good, and it was a good conclusion to the uh, to the trilogy. Um, I enjoyed the the 1666 part. Uh, I think the sets and the costumes and everything was done pretty well. And it was cool to see, like, the beginning of everything. Um, I did, I mean, I think we all knew from pretty early on in this movie series, like, who the ultimate bad guy was going to be. And it took to the third one to actually say it. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I think... Overall, there could have been a little bit more mystery kind of involved in that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's one of those things where you don't want to reveal your cards too early, and actually Old does the same thing, um, where it's like, if you're going to do a twist, don't make it so obvious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that's, that's my biggest complaint is... Like, I'm not the smartest or most intelligent person when it comes to figuring out twists or noticing details and stuff like that. So when I can sit there and tell you that I saw that coming from a mile away, you probably weren't that smart about it. <laughs> um, and so that, that's my biggest complaint. But overall, I still really enjoyed it. Uh the uh, the the sixteen sixty six aspect of the film was pretty dark. Like uh, mm -hmm. the the story that it's telling, it it was dark. Um, and then it kind of switches to back to nineteen ninety four to kind of wrap up the story. And I enjoyed that. They're they're kind of playing you know hunt and chase in a mall. And I really enjoyed the action and then how it how it ended. Uh, I thought was a, a pretty fitting conclusion to this trilogy. Um, Overall, I enjoyed the series. I mean, I think on average I gave them a seven and a half, or a three and a half, or a seven out of ten. So I mean, this was a strong trilogy overall. Very happy. Uh, some good acting, some good direction, some good storytelling. To be that consistent over three films, 
Um, so my, my hat's off to the cast, the crew, uh, the director. I mean, good on you. Yeah, all right. I 100% agree with you on that one. All right, uh, Jigsaw Jody, what are your thoughts on Fear Street Part 3, 1666? I liked it, um, but my complaint that I had a little bit with Part 2 was exasperated with Part 3 because it just yeah. felt like they, they took a field and built a set, and it just did not look <laughs> authentic at all. I mean, that's what you do when you make a movie. You, you know, build a set on a soundstage or whatever. I don't know, but, like, it felt like they were on a fake i mean it's nothing about it felt real but you just have to give that aside like anybody a lot of these teenagers aren't probably going to care about that and in a lot of ways despite this go like expecting a pg-13 rating and these getting kind of some of almost a borderline hard r oh someone definitely hard r i was I was shocked, to be honest. I couldn't believe it. So, I was like, because, you know, you get in some of this. Christopher Pike was the edgy version of R.L. Stein. Mm-hmm. Uh, his R.L. Stein was pretty tame. And then, you know, for, even for Fear Street, and then Goosebumps, of course, were, like, really tame. But, um, but I was not expecting it to switch back to... I mean, I guess I knew eventually that it was going to switch back to the you know first story like bring us back full circle because there was a lot of unresolved things from the first movie but the way they did it and the climax i thought was so freaking cool uh what they ended up doing in the climax and i i was completely there for it it was it was great fair enough so i i will say the third movie had my favorite joke of the uh the the trilogy of films and that's whenever they pull up at uh the kind of uh, he's kind of portrayed as like a, a, a gangster in the movie and they pull up in a cop car and he automatically just puts his hands in his air and uh, they roll down the window and he's like what are you guys doing in there he goes want to go kill the sheriff I'll get my coat I mean <laughs> it, it was just it was a pretty funny joke yeah no joke yeah I mean with these um, yeah, it's it's really funny. Um, I do want to make a joke of my myself. Uh, if y'all if y'all out there are fine with part three sixteen sixty six, Mike, you're gonna like this. Trust me, I'm getting around to you. Then I don't want to hear a single one of y'all pissing and moaning about Jason takes Manhattan, because the same amount of Manhattan and the boat equivalent is in the 1666 to the 1994 equivalent. I'm just saying, this is only half 1966, so I do not want to hear nobody complaining about Jason Takes Manhattan. Plus, it's a better movie. Fight me. But either way, <laughs> on to the review of the, the movie. Uh, I love these types of movies. Y'all, y'all know I like my folk horror. I love witchcraft stuff. Um, I... I agree with Jody. I think this movie's behind the eight ball because, and all of these period piece movies took a step up because it had been a while since we really got a high profile one. And then the witch comes out and is basically a horror masterpiece. <laughs> so, and then you've got to try and match that of this guy who went out in the woods and crafted this immaculate set, did all this research into old school religion, and now everyone has to meet up with that. This feels like Disney Channel stuff in comparison. And actually, not even just in comparison, it really does feel like a Disney Channel version of The Crucible, which I've seen on Letterboxd. I'm not being original with that. It just is. That's what it looks like. Um, but the acting is better. You know, there's quite a bit more horror. But um, I agree. This I would have liked to see these entries been shot on film at the very least. You know, shoot it on 35, dude, at least. You know, if you're going to go back this far, don't shoot it on digital. And if you do, at least add some lighting that makes it not look like a soap opera effect. But, oh well. You know, that stuff's nitpicky. Once this movie gets into the wraparound of what it's about and the kind of conclusion of the series, I think it makes for a really strong ending. Sorry, excuse me. A really strong ending to it. And I quite enjoyed it. I 
as many faults as I can find with this film. I liked it probably the second most of the series. I think it's about equal to 1978, but as far as a conclusion to the story, it actually improves the first one, which I think benefits the most from the series as a whole. It's the one I would go back and watch the most now, um, if that makes any sense. But I think the whole trilogy is solid. Um, I like this one. I gave it a 7, which puts the whole series as an average of a 7 for me. And that's a really good horror franchise. So I would, I would love to see more of this stuff. I, I quite enjoyed this entry in the series. I do want to kind of give like an update. I was looking up stuff about this while we, you were guys were talking. Uh, <laughs> Waxwork Records is selling uh, Fear Street Finals, uh, an entire three-set collection. If anybody listening would like those, uh, they all come with reimagined cover art for each vinyl based on... Uh, like The artist pretty much took the feel of the old Fear Street books and made the covers. I'll send them to you guys in the group chat. Oh, cool. But it's about 50 bucks. Um, but if you don't want to buy the vinyls, you can just listen to the albums on Spotify because I'm pretty sure they'll have them there. Yeah, I would. I would. I love Waxwork Records. They're great. Um, they, they put out a lot of awesome stuff, and I have some of their stuff, too. Um, I will say I doubt it's actually the soundtrack. It's probably the score that they use behind it. So yeah. just a heads up on Correct. that. Correct. I would it, it is, guarantee you. Yeah, it's the score. Okay. So... Um, but no, thank you for bringing that to my attention. I didn't know they were doing one. Um, I think that's awesome, and I, I love really the fact like the, that they're. I really like the cover arts because they're like I just I, I looked up images of the books before even seeing the tweet about it. But they I looked at the cover art that they reimagined for the movies, and they're really good. I they mm-hmm. really capture it. But I just sent yeah. this to you guys. So, but yeah, they nailed it. That first one is my pro- current profile picture. Oh sweet, <laughs> that's really cool. Yeah, I didn't I didn't notice that either. I guess, but no, I, I might have to pick those up. Um, I like a lot of their crap, so so go for it, man. Waxworks rad. I like them a lot. So, do we have anything else we want to add before we close out the show, though, on the Fear Street movies, like overall thoughts or anything like that? My overall score for the series is nine out of ten. Heck yeah, dude. Mine's a seven out of ten, even, and that seems kind of like a lower rating for these films. But no, it's, it's they were really good. Oh, really that's where them. that's where I'm at on them. I wouldn't call that real low. That's still a really strong, strong film at that point. So, and Mike, what did y'all? What's your overall score on these? Yeah, my overall score is a seven out of ten. Sweet. So it sounds like we're all definitely in the recommendation camp, except for Steven Senegal, which I will say had about enough of this one by the time it, <laughs> it wrapped up. So poor guy couldn't. I think I think part two really had it for him. <laughs> he had enough of that one. But uh, yeah, I think he went in expecting goosebumps. Although I I tell them I'm like you probably don't want to watch this. <laughs> oh well. Either way. Steven Senegal, I'm sure, has had a good time with it. He just doesn't want to admit it. Can we all start a hashtag? That's what I want to close out the show on. Let's start a hashtag. Hashtag Steve likes horror. Because <laughs> Nate, nobody buying the fact that he ain't a horror fan. Is anyone buying that in here? I'm just curious. I'm halfway there. I think he believes that. But I don't, I, as in, I don't think he's a closet horror fan. I just doesn't think he's come to terms with it yet so he hadn't come to grips with it yet yeah he's got to accept so he's, it he's still he's still in denial <laughs> <laughs> so, so so you're saying the stage will go once he accepts it then it'll be kind of a closeted phase and then he'll come out fully and be yeah. a regular host on on the cast there'll, be, there'll be some grief and bargaining and then finally some acceptance <laughs> awesome <laughs> Caleb, do you do you buy that uh, that Steve is uh, not a horror fan? Oh, I think he's a not a lot of fan. Like he doesn't like a lot of stuff, except <laughs> for action movies. But you know, he likes what he likes, and I can't really you know say anything against it. But yeah, no, he he need, he'll learn. He's a horror fan. <laughs> I I, I don't is. think it's a, I don't think it's a matter of him not giving enough of him a chance. It's just I don't think he I don't think he wants to accept it. We've seen it. <laughs> as long as it doesn't have nudity in it, he's good. Which does take out about half of the half of the horror genre. I think that takes about almost every Friday the Thirteenth film out. Yeah, except for part six and 
that may be it. <laughs> I'd have to think about it. <laughs> but either way, I just thought that was a funny little little joke to add at the end because I'm sure he's listening in at home. Well, I was hanging with Pumpkinhead a few days ago, and he told me that Steve will put a horror movie on when nobody's home. Oh, I so guarantee he, it. He's busted. And it may very well be Pumpkinhead. <laughs> he likes that one a lot. <laughs> He, he has no qualms of admitting that one. He, he just loves that movie. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, until next time, we'll talk to y'all later. All right. All right. Good deal. All right. I'll see y'all later. See you later, see you. buddy. Bye, Caleb. Oh. And I'm going to pop off too, guys. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. See yep. you later. Have a Great good one, you. Jody. Yep. Bye. <laughs> oh, shoot. Good times, man. Good times. Always. <laughs> Yeah. What are, so what are you doing today? I got to run to the gun store and check on a gun that I had to send in. Uh -oh. um, I do have to mow the lawn today. Um, oh. oh. And None hopefully I'll be in bed asleep by like 9 o'clock tonight. <laughs> Why would you hope for that? Because <laughs> I got to get up at 4. Yeah, that may be rough. And and that concludes our show. We hope you've really enjoyed it. If you did, don't forget to leave us a review. Find us on Facebook. But one of the most powerful ways that we can expand our audience and the show is for you to tell your friends about us. You know, if they love movies and you love movies, hopefully they love our podcast too. So we would love to hear uh, you spreading the word of our show to all of your friends. And uh, tell them about our community. If they have any questions about movies, we could save them some money on some of the bad ones and tell them what uh, maybe they should watch. Uh, but either way, until next time, we hope to see you all again.